Hello, everybody. Welcome to the May 2020 podcast, special lockdown edition. Yes, most of the world, of course, is currently meant to stay at home pretty much. And it's a weird situation, isn't it? None of us have ever experienced, obviously, anything even remotely like it. And as such, we're all having to fall back on our own selves, our own creativity to find things to do. And I think, actually, for those of us involved in magic, there's been quite a lot of effort made by certain sectors of the magic community to provide interesting and hopefully worthwhile things for people to do while they are having to stay at home. I mean, in my own little way, I've been doing it too, making my e-video newsletter completely free to anybody who signs up for my free e-club light. Normally you have to pay for that or be a member of my online club, e-club pro. Also, obviously this podcast is free, so I've noticed a, a spike in the numbers of people who have been listening to that, presumably because they've got more time. And then I've also instigated something called free buys, which is a play on words, freebies, free buys, where each week I make one of my products available for free to anybody who places an order with me in that particular week of any value. It's a way of giving something free back if you place an order. So there are, in my own little way, I've been doing little things, but there have been lots of other initiatives too. And probably the most notable one was the one done by Vanishing Inc. back at the beginning of April when they put together something that they called Share Magic, which was a massive, as it turned out, online event full of lectures and talks. And it was astounding, actually, to be honest with you. It lasted for over five hours. Uh, that in itself made it a bit of a marathon. And I, I, I watched it from the beginning. And I must admit, just, as it came up to about five hours, I must admit, I thought at that point, it's about 10 past 10 at night or whatever it was. I thought, mm, I've been here since five o'clock. I really need to move. So I decided to to leave it. But um, it was an, an amazing thing where some of the top people in magic gave freely and willingly information, ideas, thoughts, and of course, performed a bit of magic. It, it was great. And um and the incredible thing is that, and it was completely free, of course, for anybody who wanted to to join in. And the great thing was that because it was free, people from all over the world decided to give it a go. And for at least part of the, the five-hour marathon, they were able to come and, and listen and see what was going on. In fact, um, Vanishing Inc. say that at if you took everybody who at least for a few minutes came and listened or watched then uh, they had about 30,000 people, which is a phenomenal number, thereby making it, in their view, the biggest online event ever. Of course, this type of online event does have precedent, um, perhaps not a free one, but those of you who will remember uh, 10 years ago, Luis de Matos, David Britt, and DeMarco Tempest put on the Essential Magic Conference. That was a paid-for event, and it, and, uh, it had very high-quality lectures and talks and in fact they did uh, did something for three years in a row it was 2010 11 and 12 they had an event each time and looking back on it now when you think how how much technology has moved on and how if you like we're so much easier for just about everybody to get online and watch online events 10 years ago they put on this very good event which actually worked incredibly well I don't know how many people they, they had. 
I doubt whether it was anywhere near 30,000. They probably had hundreds, maybe low thousands, I don't know. But the technology wouldn't have been perhaps so good and so widely available as, as it is now. And yet they produced a really top-class event. Now, this was something slightly different, what Vanishing Inc. did. It was less formal because it wasn't... The other one was done in a television studio and had very high production values. This was much more informal and it, it kind of felt cosy what Vanishing Inc. did. They did have, obviously, was a thing of this big. They had technical glitches, a little bit of uh, time lapse. So everybody's internet connection is, is at different speeds around the world, of course. And at one point, the, the sheer volume, I suspect, of the number of people trying to join in made the whole thing crash. And it took a while for everybody to work out how they could sort of start it up again. But that aside, um, it really was very, very interesting. And I take my hat off to Vanishing Inc. for putting so much effort into it in order to make it work. One of the things that's slightly interesting, I think, is the, the sort of chat, you know, where people can just type in comments. And I wonder how useful that is, because in theory, what it's supposed to do is if you've got a question and somebody's performing live or talking live and you have a question, you can type the question. But the trouble is... The, um, a lot of people just like to see their name in the uh, on the feed, so they'll put "Wow" or "That's great" or whatever, and clog the whole thing up with endless numbers of platitudes or silly comments or jokes, even sometimes. And so, any question that there is that might be of some, of some value and which the lecturer or speaker could have latched onto and perhaps replied to, tended to get lost in the incredibly fast-moving thread because so many people were, were joining in so I'm not sure that added very much in fact I found it a bit distracting and in the end I switched that part of it off because uh, it didn't seem to be adding anything but that apart it was terrific and uh, well done Vanishing Inc and maybe it's something that when all this is over they'll consider doing again I'm sure that for a lot of semi-pro magicians there is often a a utopian dream in which they imagine that they can give up their real job and become a full-time pro entertainer. Because on the face of it, it seems very attractive, doesn't it? You know, normally you have to go to work all day and then in the evening when you're actually quite tired, probably, then have to go out and do a show as a semi-pro magician. So the thought of having the whole day free and then just going out in the evening and earning a whole stack of money is very attractive because people think, well, I wouldn't have to get up early in the morning. I could take my time. I could do all sorts of other activities and then go out and do, do a show later in the day. And of course, up to a point, that is true. But of course, being a successful pro magician has got a lot more to it than that. There are lots of elements that need to come together for it to stick and for you to be able to make a success of it. And I was thinking the other day, what are the elements that make the, some of these people very successful and others, well, they end up giving up after a number of years simply because they can't make it work? Well, one of the things, of course, is, and I suppose in a sense this is a given, but if you're a full-time pro magician, then really you have to be a good performer. You have to know what you're doing. You're not, you can't afford to be a dabbler in terms of magic. You have to have a solid set of shows or skills and also, in many ways, um, a number of different ways of making income out of magic, perhaps. So that's the way I've always looked at it, that just doing shows for me personally would never have been enough for, to make an income. So 
I've, that's why I've always done lots of things, inventing magic, lecturing and, and so on. Selling magic It's all different ways of making money out of the thing that I love doing, which is magic. So anybody who's got uh, the capacity to have a number of financial strings to their bow, I think is a really good thing. But there's one element of all of this which um, is possibly not one that immediately comes to mind, but which I think is hugely important if you're going to make a success of doing something like this, and that is perseverance. A feeling of a, a never-say-die attitude, because the fact of the matter is, as any pro will tell you, we all go through peaks and troughs of income. We, we have months where we feel like we're the flavour of the month and other times we wonder whether we've been disconnected from the rest of the world. So you have to be sometimes a bit thick skinned when you try things and they don't work. When you anticipate shows coming in that don't come in. When if you're releasing magic, you release a trick and nobody seems to be that interested in buying it. There are all sorts of things where you have an expectation of income, which is then taken away from you. And it's easy to get dispirited and think, oh, God, I can't do this. I just, I just can't do this. And perseverance and having the capacity to say, I will make this work. Obviously, having a bit of financial backing as well helps. But certainly at the attitude, having the right attitude, I think is also really important. And I can remember when I turned pro, I was 25 when I turned pro. And I'd been a teacher for a short while. And when I announced to my various friends and family and that, that I was going to go into magic full time and I was leaving teaching, almost to a man and a woman, they said the same thing to me. They all said, oh, really? Oh, OK. Is that wise? Um, oh, well, never mind. If it doesn't work, you can always go back to teaching. And that was like a red rag to a bull to me because... If I had allowed that thought that, well, if this doesn't work, I can always go back to teaching, to go into my mindset and to become my my safety net, if you like, that would have taken away a lot of the motivation that I started with to make it a success. The secret to success is not having that parachute, is not having that thing, that easy thing to fall back on, but having the the, the realisation that if you do not make this work, there's nothing else currently that you can do instead. You'd have to go off at a completely different tangent. And that's incredibly motivating. I and mean, certainly for me, I found that very motivating, that my friends and family, a lot of them had said that, oh, well, you can always go back to teaching, made me think in my own head, well, the absolutely last thing I am ever going to do is go back to teaching, because that's what they all think is the easy option. And it was an admission of failure. So that sense of, of not having a parachute and of uh, that creating a perseverance and a stickability, I think, is a, is a very important prerequisite for anybody who's going to be a pro magician. And if you don't have that, then I, I think it's likely that you simply won't succeed. People often say that when you perform a lot, if something can go wrong, at some point, it probably will. It's a funny thing, really, isn't it? It doesn't matter how much experience you've had and how many shows you've gone through. Sometimes things can conspire against you and you end up getting yourself into a situation where either something large or may, perhaps something small but important to you just misfires and gives you a problem. 
And the last thing that any of us want as performers is to stand in front of a lay audience and perform something and it, for it to go horribly wrong. So what do you do about that? How do you stop that from happening? How do you prevent yourself being embarrassed and losing confidence as a result when performing for lay people? Well, you could say, well, of course, the, the more you perform, the less likely it is to happen. And that's certainly true. I think certain areas of fault, if you like, are eradicate, eradicated if you perform a lot. If you practice well before you do a new effect, and then once you've sort of bedded it in by performing it many times, then you start to anticipate where things might be slightly tricky and, and you sort of work around them and, and things don't tend to go wrong. But there are other things that can malfunction that that's nothing to do with your technical ability. It, if it was something electronic, then something electronic might go wrong. The thread might break in a, in a floating thing. Uh, you know, there are so many technical things that nothing to do with your actual skill or you not doing something correctly, but just the prop basically malfunctioning. So one of the things that I think is quite helpful to do, if you've got tricks where... You should take the tricks that you do the most and and look at them critically. Almost do it like a sort of magical risk assessment on them. You look at the trick and you go, okay, what could go wrong? And try and anticipate and think about what might fail outside your own doing it wrong. What might fail in this trick? So in the case of where you're levitating a banknote or something and you're using a thread, then the obvious first thing you think of, what am I going to do if the thread breaks how am i going to actually get out of this situation it might depend of course on when the thread breaks if it breaks right at the beginning you might be able to turn the trick into something else but you need to think about what that something else is going to be in case that situation occurs if it happens mid trick and the thread breaks and and the the floating whatever drops to the table or to the floor you're going to think how you cover for that you're going to make a gag out of it if you're going to make a gag out of it what are you going to say? How are you then going to progress? Can you rehook if you've got uh, an ITR reel or something? Can, can you can you refix it? Can you start again? Can you continue in any way? Now, by thinking about these things in advance, you can start to put together in your head. You might even write them down as an aid memoir, perhaps just to remind yourself. But certainly in, in your brain, you need to have a little area where you have stashed away the things that, that might happen and what you're going to do about it. And the hope is that when that situation then occurs, rather than it being, a, oh, my goodness, a total surprise, you'll be able to jump into your preset almost uh, set of remedies if you like things that you're going to do or say in order to get over the moment now there are a lot of tricks where something very small happens and obviously most of the time you just get rounded and the audience is none the wiser so i'm not talking about those small things i'm talking about major fails what in on the face of it would be a calamity what are you going to do about it and if you come across a trick and you absolutely, there was one thing that really could, not likely necessarily, but could quite easily happen. And you cannot think of anything that you could possibly do to get around it. Then you either have to say to yourself, OK, I'm just going to take that risk because I love this trick and it's such a strong trick. And if it, if, it, if it blows up on me, so to speak, 
I'll just put it away and do something else. Or if you don't want to take that risk, you just don't do the trick. You say, OK, I'm just not going to do it. And you take it out of your act and you put something else instead that's more foolproof. Because let's face it, there are loads of tricks out there. We don't have to do tricks that are going to give us some stress. So choose something that is equally strong, but which doesn't have this built-in fail potential. And that way you'll give yourself um, a more relaxing performance each time. These days, if we want to buy new tricks, there are literally thousands to choose from. And if you add all the tricks that have gone before, whether it be as marketed items or in books or on DVDs or online, there are literally tens of thousands of tricks that we, to choose from when we're putting together an act. So in terms of getting material for a show, there shouldn't really be much of a problem. But what we have a lot less of, I think, is good advice about other aspects of being a performing magician. Because there are lots of things that go around the tricks that often are taken for granted or are just mentioned briefly in passing. And it seemed to me that this was an area that perhaps would benefit from a little bit more information. So six years ago, I started a series of ebooks, and it was called the Professional Worker Series, in which I aim to produce um, ebooks that take a subject or an area in magic, and I talk about it and give advice on it based on my own personal professional experience. And the idea was to put it in an accessible way. There's no tricks, no trick. As I say, you've got hundreds of tricks. You don't need any more tricks. This is pertinent advice from somebody who's been out and done it and now he's telling you the experiences that I've had and hopefully from that you can learn. And it's written in a very accessible way. It's not highfalutin theory. This is just practical, no nonsense, no padding, no waffle. It gets straight to the point. The, the first volume, which I released in 2014, was Going Walkabout, which is where I talk about mix and mingle magic, where you are mobile, but so is your audience. The second volume was Trade Show Magic, where I explained how it's possible to use strolling magic as a way of helping businesses at exhibitions. Volume three was The Table Magician. In this, I'm talking about doing magic at tables at restaurants and big dinner functions. And the fourth volume is Marketing Yourself. That was in 2017, where I was talking about all the different ways these days that are open to us all as magicians to promote ourselves. And it's a huge topic that in itself. But again, I've crystallized down to make it hopefully easy for everybody to follow. Well, now this month I'm releasing volume five and it's an ebook called Keeping Control. Now, it seems to me that there, I was thinking about this for quite some time because I felt that there must be some element somewhere in our magical lives, one thing perhaps, that if we could just get that one thing nailed, get it right, it would help us in lots of different ways as performing magicians. And I considered all sorts of different aspects and things and eventually I boiled it down to one particular thing and that was control. If we can control as performers most of the aspects of what we do, by definition, I think, you stand a better chance of being a good magician. 
You might say, well, control what? Okay, well, the sort of things I'm talking about, controlling your nerves. The book tells you all sorts of practical tips about how to stop those performance jitters from ruining your show. Controlling slights and moves. In other words, I'm talking about how to practice properly to make sure that the technical aspects of what you do are under your control and are not controlling you and thereby making you make mistakes in performance. Then I'm talking about controlling your show contents. By this I mean controlling and being um, firm with yourself about which items you actually put into your show or you take with you on a close-up gig. Are they the right tricks for the circumstances? Controlling the show logistics, the actual preparation of a show, the planning of a show, the getting there physically. These things, if you get these wrong, you can mess things up before you even start to perform. You end up arriving in the wrong frame of mind. Controlling your children's show surroundings. I think a lot of the time children's shows can be hugely improved with the impact that they have and in con and controlling the, the general environment that you're working in. Sometimes we get given a big hall with a small number of children or maybe a large number of children in a confined space. I talk about how to manipulate this and control the surroundings to make sure you can do a good show. Controlling adult show surroundings. More difficult, but with cabaret and stand-up, and indeed, to a certain extent, close-up, there are certain things that you can do to improve your chances of doing a good show. And finally, the last two chapters are controlling children at your shows. If you can't control the youngsters in the audience, you won't be able to entertain them. They're not going to necessarily sit there and just watch. You need to do the right things to engage them so that they behave well and thereby have a good time. And finally, controlling the adults at your show. This is particularly true, I think, of close-up magicians who are working uh, informally at parties and things like that. Understanding how to control where your um, spectators are looking, how they react to you, what they see, how you speak to them and so on. Keeping their attention in distracting circumstances. All these things, you get that under control, you can really do a better job. So there you are. That's what Keeping Control is all about. It's a 35-page ebook. It costs £10, although eClub Pro members, of course, get 50% off all purchases, so they can have it for just £5. And I, and I really do think that if, if you read it and you see the things that I'm saying, I'm, I'm sure that you will agree that there are so many aspects of our lives as performers that could be improved just by a little bit more control and attention to detail. And I'm hoping that this book will provide enthusiasm and interest and ideas for you to be able to adapt what you do and come out with a better result. So as I mentioned at the start of this particular podcast, we've all presumably got a bit more time at home and it's giving us all an opportunity to do things that we might not normally find the time to do. And a couple of the things that, that I've done recently, one was I finally got round to listening to a few more of Richard Young's Magician's podcasts. I've listened recently to the one on David Copperfield, which was the 100th and the last one that he produced. I've also listened to the one on Dominic Wood, because Dominic was, when he was a teenager, he used to live just around the corner from me, and we used to get together, and I would go to his rehearsal room in his house, and he would show me all the things he was working on. He was... 
incredibly focused. And I talked earlier on in this podcast about having perseverance. Dominic had that in spades. He was amazing. He was so focused on winning competitions and eventually on getting onto television. And through sheer will and practice and determination, he eventually managed it. Uh, so it's interesting to to listen to the one that uh, he did. And also the, the more recent of the two that Andy Nyman did. I listened to that as well. I have a lot of time for Andy and um, I found his one very interesting too. So it's rather nice to have all that resource. I shall go back and listen to some more. The only bit I'm not quite sure about is the chat with Richard and Alan Hudson on the beginning. Is it just me or do you also fast forward over a lot of that? Sorry, I just want to get to the interview of the person I'm interested in, really. Anyway, that's just me, perhaps. But they're very good, and uh, and I shall listen to some more of those. The other thing that I found time to watch was Dynamo's latest trilogy of shows over three consecutive nights, Beyond Belief, which uh, was, was really interesting. Some of the magic on that was very strong and very to the point. Uh, I think we can all learn a little bit. I know for television, there are certain things that you can do that you can't do anywhere else. And you couldn't fill your act with the type of um, items that he uses because a lot of the actual magic in his, in that he uses on the television is incredibly short. It only lasts, the magical moment only lasts a few seconds. But it leaves a tremendously strong impression, of course. Uh, one One thing I thought was a bit odd, at one point they showed an interview and uh, it was only an extract of an interview that he'd done on the sh- and not an interview for the show, but for, that they showed on the show. And one of the things he said was, I don't want to be defined by my illnesses because the poor chap has had so much to cope with, with his Crohn's and, and, and his various other things that have happened. And this the latest thing with uh, the arthritis and so on. And. Uh, so I thought it's interesting that he said that. He didn't want to be defined by that. But then proceeded to make those three shows all about recovering from the arthritis disease. So I thought, well, if you don't want to be defined by it, why are you making it the centrepiece, the backstory, if you like, of those particular shows? Surely you would skirt around it and ignore that, wouldn't you? Anyway, that all said, I thought the show was great. I really enjoyed them. Uh, They are a wonderful televisual feast, I think, for magic. And uh, and some of the strongest magic, I think, that he's done was on that show. So well done to Dynamo. And I'm sure we're going to see more of him on the television again in the future. One of the things that I've been asked so many times over the years is, how do I come up with all the various things that I publish and I market? And the creative process is interesting. I've always been fascinated by the way that it works. And in fact, my ebook, A Simple Guide to Creativity, is, talks all about that. And of course, there are lots of different ways to approach the idea of coming up with something new or a variation on something that's gone before. But one of my favourite ways is to imagine a plot and then solve the plot. I think this is one of the best ways. In order to do it, of course, you do have to have quite a bit of knowledge of methods. And the more knowledge you have, the easier finding a suitable way to achieve what it is that you're visualising becomes. Because I think having um, the ability to think freely, uh, uh, almost fantasise about what magical effect you would like to achieve is really quite important because... If you allow yourself to be 
restricted in terms of the um, the imagining of a, of an effect by what methods you already know then that's a restricting factor and it means that you often will not end up with anything particularly interesting whereas if you can think okay I don't care how this works and I don't know how this works at the moment but I'd like to achieve this and then you come up with some particular effect and at that point once you've decided on what the effect is you then start to worry away at okay so how can I do that because what happens then is you you can take the all utopian idea and you gradually move it and adjust it until you reach a plot that you can actually achieve using the knowledge that you have so rather than restricting it in advance and therefore not coming up with anything particularly interesting allowing your your imagination to run riot and then trimming it back to reality afterwards i think is the better way to go now coming full circle we started with this podcast by me talking about share magic the vanishing ink event and I noted that um, the bit that was done by Morgan and West, that was one of the things that they happened to mention in passing. They said that they would write a script that included perhaps even what they were going to say, certainly what the trick was, without even thinking about any type of method, and that, that they would come to the method later. And I thought, there you are, they're doing the same as I am. And, and then I've got a feeling there may have been one of the other people who did one of the lectures on the same event said a similar thing as well. And I I think it is true that that is one of the best ways, if you have the knowledge of methods or can find out methods or talk to somebody about what methods might be suitable if you don't know any yourself, the best way to get something is to let your imagination do the hard work of creating a trick and then work back to something that you can actually achieve. Certainly that's the way that I have do have been doing things in recent times, much more than any of the other methods. Well, there we are. That's another podcast over. Thank you so much for, for listening. I hope that you will have a good month ahead, despite everything that's going on in our lives. And perhaps by the next time I speak to you, some of the lockdown will have been released a little bit. I don't think it's going to go completely, but I'm hoping that it might be a little released so that we can get out a bit more than we are at the moment. But whatever the case, have a good month and I'll see you in June for more. Bye for now.